Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Finding Common Battlegrounds. This is the podcast that is dedicated to listening to both sides of the aisle, right? We got the left, we have the right. So we've got a conservative voice and a liberal voice. And so as we usually do, we're going to have we have a few um, current events, uh, some news articles that we're going to be reviewing and talking about. And we're going to give our analysis of, from both sides and see what we agree on and what we disagree on. Um, it's, uh, I am Tommy Triplett. I'm the conservative voice. And we have Ryan Cragen, who is uh, representing the liberal side. Um, so we've got a couple things we're going to be talking about. Uh, basically, it's uh, some kind of both legislative uh, legislation related articles. Uh, we're talking about in Utah, there's the, the DEI banning DEI at the public universities. Um, DEI statements and things like that. We'll talk about that. But then also in Florida, um, it was also a, a college-related uh, legislation uh, that um, banned sociology from being a from Gen Ed from the General Education Core, um, and uh, also some funding, some restricting funding for DEI-related uh, uh, initiatives. So yeah, very DEI-related uh, uh, podcast tonight. Um, anyway, so uh, Ryan, yeah, did you did you bidet today? <laughs> <laughs> uh ooh, did i um okay so here is the problem right uh <laughs> this is always awkward right um there are days when i don't have to use the restroom until i go to work and of course at work they don't have bidets mm. so i did not actually have the delightful satisfaction of using my lux bidet here at home today because when i got to work that's when i had to go to the bathroom so didn't happen how about you tom and just so our audience knows this is uh this is what we regularly talk about the lux bidet <laughs> is our sponsor <laughs> although we are we're we did, pretty we skipped the shout out to our sponsor we're just like hey let's talk about using bidets let's talk about it <laughs> no no i didn't either today but yeah, yeah it's always a good day when you can Almost every day. Always a good day when you can bidet. Oh, nice. Uh, you should write jingles for Lux. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, let's jump in. First story is yours. Yeah. Let's jump into the first one. Um, so I I just pulled up an article. I, it's actually not the one I originally read, but it was basically, um, <clears throat> just to summarize, uh yeah they this was the article i sent was about governor cox weighing in and the legislation planning to ban colleges from forcing new hires to sign political diversity statements um they actually have since passed this and so uh it is now a bill that will go into effect soon um but uh what it is is this is mostly at the university of utah but this was happening elsewhere was on these um new hires and they were just new hires for anything um and i the, the article i had didn't have an example i wanted to find an example and I, actually show... I have an example we'll talk oh, you about did it. yeah you found yeah, one okay got an example. it was basically requiring them to come up issue a statement a dei statement as a candidate for hire um and this is some, I don't know how long this had been going on, but uh, it just sort of came up on the radar. Uh, Governor Cox called it out and then the legislation just put a ban on it and uh, that that can't be done. Uh, 
I thought it was really interesting. I thought I have a lot of thoughts. On this. <laughs> uh, but, do you want me to give yeah. a little bit more information? For yes. Our, our, yeah. yeah. So, what, what I miss. Um, so what, uh, what it was, okay. When applicants for positions submit their materials, they have to submit, you know, a variety of different things. And then, and here's the exact statement uh, or the exact language in one of the job ads from the University of Utah's hire, right? So for their website. Um, and this is specific for a faculty position in communication. So that's the department mm-hmm. that involves uh, examining um, media related to religion, including minority religions. Okay. So it asked for like a CV, cover, you know, uh, curriculum vitae, variety of other things, teaching uh, evidence of teaching effectiveness. And then here's the, the exact statement. It says, quote, and a single page statement of their contributions to inclusion, diversity, equity, and access, end quote. So that's what applicants were, were uh, being asked to provide was a single page statement of how they were making contributions to inclusion, diversity, equity, and access. And I'm happy to kind of unpack what that might mean and how, as a faculty member, I would understand something like that. But up to you if you want to go down that path. Well, I think we're going to unpack it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So my university doesn't currently require that, right? So that's not something that we require at the University of Tampa. Um, I've seen other universities say something like this, and it's not uncommon at universities to say, okay, you know, we're trying to make sure that we have a diverse uh, student population and we want to make sure that those students um, feel recognized. And so what have you done as a faculty member or in whatever context, right, that you're working in? And I'll come back to this is almost exclusively just for faculty members, but so what have you done as a faculty member that demonstrates that you're capable of working with minority students? Okay. And so that's how I would read a statement like that is, do you have experience working with minority students? Like what evidence can you demonstrate that you have experience working with minority students or my, minority individuals? Um, and people could write any number of things. I did actually do a check on the University of Utah's website. So, cause I read the article and I was like, okay, like, what is this? What is this actually? Because it says they have to sign diversity statements. They're not signing a diversity statement, right? They're writing a statement saying, how are you um, welcoming to diverse populations, basically? But I did check their website. Um, they have literally hundreds of other jobs, not faculty jobs, that do not require these statements, Okay. And I don't think it's actually a requirement for every faculty job as well. Um, But the one that I did find was for a professor in communication who was studying minority religious views. Did you find this on your own or did you find it through an article? Um, That was actually like the third comment down on um, that article that you sent me from the Deseret News is somebody had put the actual language and I was like, "Uh, I I need to go check this language because it's totally out of context. And then like two more comments down, somebody had actually posted a link to one of the job hire job mm. postings. So I went to the job posting website for the University of Utah. And sure enough, it was in there, right? I found it. And I was like, okay, I get it. Like this is going on. But I was like, let me just see if they've got it for like a chemistry faculty position. Turns out they're not hiring for chemistry. So I couldn't find a chemistry faculty position. So I was like, I, don't, I wonder if they're doing this for every faculty Everyone. position. But then I was like, let's look for like a lab tech. 
it's not in there for lab techs. I was like, let's look for, uh, you know, a, a, a staff assistant. It's not in there for staff assistants, right? So it's it's not in there for every single position at the University of Utah. It appears to be in some faculty positions, they're requesting a DEI statement. What do you think about that? Um, complicated. <laughs> uh, I mean, do I think that this is what um, Governor Cox made it out to be, right? That like, we're making faculty swear allegiance to the new woke uh, ideology and every one of them must adhere to some diversity, equity, and inclusion statement and they must sign their life to it. That's not anything remotely close to what's actually happening. We're basically saying, hey, we want to make sure that, you know, our university is a welcoming environment for a diverse group of people. Can you establish that you're actually a decent human being who's who's perfectly happy to have, you know, uh, black students in your class and white students in your class and Hispanic students in your class and Asian students in your class and trans students in your class, right? Like, are you going to lose your mind if a student comes up to you and says, these are my pronouns, would you mind using those, right? I'm a college professor. I, I have to be flexible when a student comes up to me and says something like that, right? I can't be like, I refuse, right? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So if universities want to say like, hey, are you cool with this? I think that's okay, right? Um, are they saying everybody must be in lockstep and everybody must be a woke liberal and follow along these lines? No, absolutely not. Uh, that's certainly not the case at my university, right? We have a very diverse group of people. Are we probably majority on the left? Yes, but we have some people pretty far to the right. And those people are still have students in their classes who are trans students, right? Who are, you know, racial and ethnic minority students, sexual minority students. They can't just kick them out of their class because they're like, you're trans, you're out, right? That's just not the way that it works. Yeah, but it doesn't that come down to just being a professional? Hundred percent. I think so. Adult, right? Well, I, I would like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's. I guess that's why I have an issue with the with the statements. Uh, me, because I honestly, it, to some degree, I think it's exactly what you were saying. It isn't because it's very much a the fact that I even have to create and and produce this statement of like well, all the things I've done to to create DEI and that is ex which is an extremely left movement is seems like a, a, a political like elite playing a political allegiance right to to a, a group that is clearly thinks it's important enough that they need to put it into the 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 hiring um curriculum uh, or criteria and that's uh so it's interesting because well, here there's a few things, right? It's like LDS Church, the the you know the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. It's a big employer in the state, mm -hmm. and uh, you work there. If you work there, you have to be LDS, and not only do you have to be LDS, you have to be a member of the church, and you have to be um, temporary like Yes, a temporary member. Holder, which just means you've gone through some criteria, right? Then mm -hmm. you're a upstanding member. Um, and like they're a private institution, right? They yep. they have that right to be like, 
you, I can, I'm going to fire you if you decide you don't want, you're going to align with us anymore. Um, this is a public, you know, this is mm-hmm. public institution, right? This is the University of Utah. It's, it's public funds. It's a public state so, or a public state institution. And that's, so I, th- it definitely feels like this could very, very, very be easily used as a cudgel to, to like, to um, screen out people who don't align with an ideology at the at the at the university, and and it's it's pretty well known that that university, the University of Utah, as well as many universities, are for, are quite liberal. And like you said, there's probably some exceptions, but I think in general the they're very left leaning. So it seems this seems like a way to just get rid of people that don't agree with the way you agree. Um, it, that's what that's just like. Everything you said was like. And in the way you put it, it's like, yeah, no, that makes sense, right? You want to include, make people feel comfortable. But I'm just like, any working adult professional knows that and and should apply that, right? Should always apply that, right? And it's like the, um, what is it? Jordan Peterson's the whole way he came to fame was I, that I know <laughs> legislation to force him to yes. use uh, the the language that the students wanted, right? And in when he was pushed on it, I think it was in the protest. They were like, well, "You don't want to use it. You you refuse it." He's like, "I didn't say I refuse. I just want to be forced, right?" And he's like, mm-hmm. "He's like, I, if they would come to me, I would consider it." And he's like, I'm "More than likely, I would," is what he, what he said. And he's like, "You know, as long as they were, you know, weren't being a jerk about it or something." So that's and that's like, yeah, because he would because he's a professional. He's an adult, right? And he just doesn't want to be forced to use language. Which was the, you know, that was the whole reason he had an issue with it. And so that, um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it, to me, it seems it's a, that's a dangerous, it seems like easily can be weaponized. That's what, that's what it seems like. Right. Uh, let me, um, and, and I, I'm going to kind of agree with you. Like I could see how it could be weaponized. So I'm not going to dismiss that out of hand, right? I could absolutely see how people could be like, we only want to hire people on the left okay but um given the context that we just talked about right let's say that it isn't um sociology right let's say that it is just a biology class and this person's just teaching like microbiology and when they were asked to write this statement they were like i will not teach gay students Mm -hmm. can the university of utah hire them has that ever happened before do you see what I'm saying though? Right. Like, yeah, basically it is a test. It's a litmus test of like, are you okay with anybody being in your classroom? Right. So in effect, it's saying like, are you okay? Like being in society? (laughs) Right. And and your point is, is very well taken that it's like, yeah, any professional would be like, sure, of course. Well, but do you see what I'm saying? It's almost like it is a litmus test of, are you an asshole? (laughs) Right. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking about this, like, because, you know, there's been these cases of like Christian bakers who wouldn't make cakes for, for gays for their wedding, right? Exactly. And they, that's a private business, right? I mm-hmm. can't remember how that ended up turning out because I went to years for legislation. I can't remember where well, that ended up. So there was a recent one where it was making a website for a gay couple and the Supreme Court said that they don't have to make a website for a gay couple and they were never asked to make a website for a gay couple. So the Supreme Court sided with them, even though they had never been asked to do it and they never would. Um, 
it was it was an absurd outcome in the Supreme Court on that one. It's weird that it got up to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Well, um, they did it. They filed it the moment the Supreme Court um, majority shifted. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But um, th- but it's so but being a public university, right, mm-hmm. that I, I assume that teacher couldn't refuse the student, right? Wouldn't be able to, right. to, to, you know, even if they said like religious liberty or something like that, being that they are a employed at a public institute, I don't think they could, right? That's, right. that's my, where I think so, that would come down to. Yeah. So in effect, it is a litmus test, but it's, it's like a pre-screen of like, Hey, are you going to get here and say, you know, I'm Catholic and I'm, I'm in biology. I cannot teach students about abortion because it runs counter to my religion. Right. Right. And the university is going to be like, uh, hold on, right? If that's part of the curriculum, if you're teaching in in the medical school, right, and we need you to cover abortion because that's just one of the things that we cover, you can't just say like, no, I'm not going to do this. It's against uh, my religion. Yeah, I don't know that. I, has that come up at all? Because I'm that makes me wonder. That's going to come up at some point. That's going to come up, right? Um, that's interesting because, uh, yeah. That's uh, and uh, I don't, I'm not sure what would happen there. Should the university? I mean, so what, I guess what it, I think the university would definitely have to take into consideration the teachers' perspective, right, and their their rights. But the sure. to preemptively not it's it's like the hey, I think you're going to get pregnant. I'm not right. going to hire you, right? Right, like, right, right. I get it. Yeah. It's like, I think you might be a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure you don't. That's what it feels like with DEI. It's like these DEI statements of like, let's just, right. let's just but, nip this in the butt way ahead of time. Yes, but do keep in mind, it. right? Like the, the statements are being framed as like, you have to adhere to some woke ideology. It's like, I'm going to make all of my students be trans and they all have to be bisexual, right? And no one's actually asking that. They're saying, are you okay with sexual, gender, racial minorities in your class. That's basically what they're asking. It's super benign. And what they're trying to weed out is the person who's like, no, I'm not, right? And then you're like, but we're a public university. You have to be, Mm -hmm. right? Well, like, we don't have a say in this. Everybody gets to come to the university. We're not a private university where we can screen people out. We just need to know that you're going to be fine and you're not going to be like, hey, you know, I am a ultra, you know, whatever religious perspective this is, and trans people don't exist according to my perspective. And I've got a student who's asking me to use different pronouns. I refuse. What does the university do in that instance? Right. That's the that's thing. I'm surprised this hasn't come up because it's going to come up. Mm-hmm. And, the, and they will actually, you know, because of religious liberties, they probably will have to accommodate that person to the, the professor I don't think to some they'll, extent. No, I don't think they'll have to accommodate the professor at all. I don't know. Mm, yeah, no. this is and, interesting. And here's, it is interesting. And here's here's why I would say they wouldn't, right? So it depends on the context. Right. Uh, if it's a private university, things get a little different. But at a public university, a professor cannot refuse, right? This is a civil right, basically. They can't refuse to have a student come into their class. If that's, you know, I mean, imagine that it's like a conservative Muslim uh, instructor and a woman comes into his class not wearing a hijab. Right. Right, like, like what the heck? There is no way that the university is like her. all the women have to wear a hijab going into this guy's class, right? Like that is never going to happen in the United States. 
Never. Uh, right, right. You see what I'm saying? No, so I know what you you're can't saying, accommodate yeah. to the professor's position if you're a public university in terms of who you're going to teach. Well, faculty that, can't screen that out. That well, that, that I'm I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to wrap my head around. It. So, what if someone has an issue, or 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 maybe a, a, or an issue with some of the curriculum? Right. I don't. Okay. So let's this. talk about curriculum because this literally happened at my university this year. Did it? So <clears> yes. Because you could say. I don't want to teach this subject matter mm-hmm. on this day. I'm going to have someone else teach for me. Right. And like, I'm just, I've got religious, uh, you know, uh, issues with this stuff. Does the university, you know, we like wouldn't where, accommodate them. they don't have to, you're saying they don't have to. One, we're a private university. Right. But uh, I will could, give, could, you, could they fire them? Right. If they were like, no, I've refused to teach this. Yes. And you, you think so. I don't, 100%. I, don't, like, I don't know. I don't know. hundred percent. You could. And here, here's why. Well, they, I know um, they could, but yes, he, here's why. So this is where it gets a little bit tricky. Um, curriculum. Okay. So what you're going to teach the, the yeah. actual stuff that you're going to teach at pretty much most universities, there are probably exceptions out there is established by the faculty. So faculty control curriculum. Okay. Mm. So a faculty control curriculum, that means the faculty kind of said it, but every university, <laughs> That's accredited, okay, and that isn't actually very important. <laughs> and Tom and I are laughing for reasons that will become apparent in our next episode. But um, if you're accredited, the accrediting body stipulates certain aspects of that curriculum, right? It, it made it, and it's not going to be like super specific. It's going to be like how many credit hours, the general content that you have to cover. So it does say like you have to cover certain things, but then you may have within. Um, are you frozen, Tom? No. Oh, I'm no, just, you're just, just still smiling. I was like, dude, listening. you are so like <laughs> straight, like right in the same position. Um, certain programs may have an additional accreditation on top of that. Okay. And this is the context. I'm going to, I'm going to speak somewhat vaguely because this all happened in confidence and I can't give specific details, but um, given my current position, right, I'm obviously a faculty member, but I'm the president of our faculty senate. So the faculty sets the curriculum. I'm the president of the faculty senate. This came to me at the beginning of the year that we had a faculty member in a department where the program was accredited and there was specific content that their sub accrediting body, right? So this is not one of those big seven that accredits universities across the country. This is a a body that accredits this specific department's program. This uh, accrediting agency said, you have to teach this content. And everybody in that department said, yeah, you know, we're accredited. We have to teach this content. So they turned to the person who was most qualified to teach it and said, we need you to teach this. Okay. And it was a collective department decision. And this faculty member said, I don't want to teach it. And they said, you objected to it or no, just didn't want to. Didn't want to. Okay. And the department said, no, you have to. Because mm. that's actually what departments do, right? So we have academic freedom. Faculty have academic freedom. We have a lot of control over what we get to cover. But if it's part of our accreditation and the entire department says, you have to teach this, you actually don't have a say in the matter. So you it, lose academic freedom over that. Yeah, and, so, yeah. and you're saying as a, as a governing body, the faculty can, they one, are approving the, the, the curriculum. curriculum. And then once they've approved it, then they're, I guess they're, they're saying you're obligated dictating to teach who, you know, who will teach it. And, yep. and, and you, you, if someone did refuse to comply, 
they that could is grounds be for firing them. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I won. I really wonder if if this had come up, right? If this if this mm. scenario comes up, and then and they were fired, would there be recourse, right? Legal recourse to say you you know have violated my my constitutional right, my religious rights to not comply with this, right? That it seems like that's. If I'm surprised, I keep surprised saying it hasn't it. I'm surprised yeah. this hasn't happened. It's totally going to happen. It, it may have happened, and we just don't know because it didn't trickle up or something. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it wasn't a big my, news story. Yeah, my my thought on this is if a faculty member is in an accredited program where the content is specified, and they were like, "I have religious objections to teaching this," yeah, they actually don't have a solid case. To like, be honest, no. I think if if they're if because. <laughs> It's an elected position, right? Like they're not forced to take this job, mm. right? So if they're not forced to take the job, they have no legal obligation to be there. And the university is not forcing them to stay in the job. They're literally saying like, well, if you want the job, this is what you do. I know, but you always get like, uh, there was the there there was the case of the person who was working at a um, some church school, right? But they mm-hmm. she was sexually active, and they wouldn't pay for her birth control, right? And that case went to, I think it went to the Supreme Court, but um, uh, and and I think she won, but um, and they did have to pay for her birth control, but it was like it's always the question of like, well, why are you there, right? Yeah, you're sleeping well, around doing stuff. Well, there's a, like, yeah, there's another case. There was a, a Sikh individual and they're the ones who actually wear like the turban, right? So yeah. they're, it's their hair wrapped up and it's covered. Uh, this happened in Canada. And a friend of mine actually wrote about it as a, you know, as a, an article, but the Sikh individual wanted to work for the railroad and they had to wear hard hats. Oh, interesting. You can't wear a hard hat because it's got a turban on, right? But he's like, no, I want to work. Yeah, he's like, I want, I want to work for the railroad. And they're like, but you can't work for the railroad. And he's like, but I want to. You know, honestly, like I think the priority should not be for somebody who's like, I get a religious exception. You know what? If we've determined that it's a safety issue, you don't get a religious exception. You're not like, I get to work for the railroad. It's you like did, you could happened? work somewhere else, huh? Uh, I'm trying to remember what actually the outcome was. I think basically what they decided is like, if, because that's actually like a government entity too, at some level, right? So there's like government mm-hmm. stuff. But I think that the accommodation is, if you can make the accommodation as an employer, um, in a way that like, doesn't substantially change what they have to do, um, then go ahead and do it, right? So if somebody's saying like, uh, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm a Sikh individual. I can't wear a hard hat. Then, like, put them in a station where they don't have to wear a hard hat, right? But if they're mm-hmm. out working on the rail on the train or on, you know, like actually building the railroad or something like that, and they have to wear a hard hat. Then it's like, no, sorry, you don't get to do that job. So you have to kind of balance, right? And mm-hmm. I, I think that's perfectly reasonable if if it's something that you can accommodate without causing problems for everybody else. Okay, right. then then yeah, make the accommodation. But if they're saying like, no, I'm special, right? You have to change the entire workplace around me and right. my one specific thing, and it's going to cause hardship for everybody else and the business. No, right? I, like, I, I don't think that's a reasonable accommodation. Yeah, hmm. it's interesting. This To me, it's just like the medical uh, accommodations. I see that all the time, disabilities and things like that, that they like get to accommodate me to, to some extent. And you're like, okay, well, where does it, 
to what does that extend? <sighs> what is reasonable, right? Uh, we're fighting those issues at my university too. You would not believe the accommodations that students are trying to get these days. They're just astonishing. Just give me one example. Uh, we have, <laughs> this one just came through. And, and one of them, like I will concede, but one of them got an accommodation to have note cards for tests. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong, but that's basically saying my accommodation is I get to cheat. I get to cheat. Was it some memory <laughs> thing or something? It is. And so that's why I was saying like in a specific case. So for one, I was like, okay, I'll give it to him. Uh, this person is like a military Can you just vet. give me the answers to the test? <laughs> well, this one. So I, I heard of two cases, right? One was a military vet who was actually blown up in Iraq and had you know, like brain damage, smart guy, but just needed cue cards to remind them of things. So they couldn't put the answers down. They just couldn't have cue cards. I need cue cards to remind me things too. Yes, I get it. <laughs> but then we had another student who was like, I just don't remember things. I want the answers on my cards. Right. And we're like, right. no. Or you're just not smart enough to pass yeah, this like, test. No, class. you don't get to do this, right? Yes. Um the, the number of accommodations we have coming through. Uh, we had another one. Sorry, they're, they're insane. Our semesters are 14 weeks. <clears throat> so we had a class that is meets three days a week, right? So we do the math. What is that? That's 30 plus 12, 42 classes, something like that, right? Yeah. So it's like 42 classes. One student wanted accommodation, so they didn't have to attend as much. Uh, the third week of class, so they've already missed 12 classes, they tried to get an accommodation that said they could miss up to 28 additional classes. For what? They just, yeah. I don't know, Tom. This I don't awesome. know. This makes me want to go to the university <laughs> and just see what I can get away with. Just like just ask for anything and everything. Trust me, they're already doing it. And our accommodations office is, is giving them everything. Um, I'll give you one more because it was just so funny. As long as they're entertaining, man. Keep them coming. <laughs> we had, okay, so there's this really tricky balance with chemistry and chemistry labs where they're dealing with toxic chemicals, right? So you, you have to like balance two things. The accommodation, because the true purpose of an accommodation is like to balance somebody who is, you know, in some Leg way disabled, right? Yes, they've yeah. got some you know, handicapped. something that's causing problems to make it an evil, ev even playing field for them. Right. But we had a student request, I kid you not to have an accommodation, to have a mini horse accompany them into the chemistry lab. What? <laughs> a mini horse? A mini horse. Okay. Not, not a pet dog. A mini horse. Like this is like a uh, a comfort really animal. Yeah, comfort yeah. Animal. <laughs> a mini horse in a chemistry lab with acids <laughs> right. and toxic chemicals. With chemicals <laughs> in the chemical lab. <laughs> I kid you not. I've been talking to the chair of the chemistry department, who's like, "What is wrong with it?" Because the accommodations office was like, "Yeah, you need to give him this accommodation," and the chemistry professor is like. Over my dead body. This is an OSHA requirement. We can't have horses wandering around crapping on the floor at a chemistry yeah. lab. Hey, that's combustible. Be careful. <laughs> so trust me, like it's it's out of control at my university. Yeah, We're trying yeah. to rein that in right now. Never mind. I'm not gonna go. It looks like I'm already being outdone. <laughs>
Could you even have come up with that one, Tom? No, no. That was good. That was good. Oh, I would have been like, gosh. every time I go to the cafeteria, I want a free bagel or something like that. You know, <laughs> They'd give you that in a heartbeat. I'm undernourished. <laughs> that would be not. That would that's be so been, benign at my university. Yeah, would be okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for uh, it. We don't that's, care. <laughs> that's minor league. <laughs> Up your game, Tom. Up your game. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Anyway, did we get off on. topic on the DA? Well, here's the thing. Let's move on to the next subject, which I think we're gonna we're gonna hit some some of the same similar stuff. Again. Similar stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, all right. So yeah. this one's mine, um, and it's hitting pretty pretty close to home, like really really close to home. Uh, in the state of Florida, the a year or so ago, they actually passed legislation defunding all DEI initiatives at state universities. So a lot of these universities, mine does too, and I'm a private university, right? Um, we have a DEI office. So we have kind of a, a person who oversees that. That person has staff and they kind of do all these different DEI initiatives on my campus. We can talk about whether we think they're effective or not. That's a different issue. But so we have that. A lot of other universities do have this, uh, including state universities. And the uh, state legislature said we're defunding all of those universities can no longer spend any of their own money on this. So if they get grants or if they get um, donations that are specific to DEI initiatives, then they can still have them, but they can't use state money. Fine. So that happens. Then back in, uh, I want to say October, November, the uh, State Department of Education, they have a board of commissioners who kind of oversee the curriculum. Um, They met and they decided Um, in the general education curriculum, right? So these are kind of core classes that everybody has to take. There are certain optional classes that will meet your social science requirement. That's like psychology, political science. um, uh, Criminology is often included in this. Economics is included in this. Sociology is included in this. History can be a humanities or a social science, kind of depends. But they had a list of classes that would meet the core gen ed requirement. And sociology 100, right? So it's like the introduction to sociology survey course has been one of the courses that can meet those requirements for decades. It's just a standard course. Most schools, I would say that's most schools. Absolutely. Most schools have this, right? Because it's just a general elective. It teaches social science. That's fine. So back in October, November, uh, Manny Diaz, who is our commissioner of education in the state of Florida, he came out. But, you know, just kind of as of his own accord, it wasn't from the commission or anything and said, we want to remove the sociology 100 course from the list of possible options. Um, and we're going to replace it with a history course that can only teach facts, no opinions, only facts. Right. Um, so he proposed that. And of course, the commission, they're all, you know, lackeys of Ron DeSantis. So they're going to do whatever he says. They went ahead and passed that. And that just happened. So. That introduction to sociology course has been removed from the list of gen ed options. Now, this mm-hmm. doesn't mean that students can't take it, right. but it doesn't count for anything anymore. Right. Okay? And the second <clears throat> you do that, it, that basically guts the sociology. Right. You're going to have a lot less students state. attending that class. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've got a really good friend at the University of North Florida. He said, we're probably going to lose half of our faculty over the next three years because of this decision. Mm. Um it's going to destroy uh, graduate programs across the state. So University of Florida, uh, Florida State, uh, you know, a bunch of the state schools have big graduate programs with lots of graduate students in sociology. A lot of those students teach introduction to sociology, right? So grad students teach this. 
or they TA for it, or they contribute to it, they're all gone. We're probably going to lose most of our sociology graduate programs in the state in the next five years. Mm. And <laughs> my buddy at, at the University of North Florida, he said, you know, telling Manny Diaz that probably will just make him smile. Okay. Um, because, and we can get into the nitty gritty on this, but um, sociology does tend to be left-leaning. That's where things get a little complicated and I'm happy to go down that path, but uh, it does tend to be left-leaning in a variety of different ways. And we can talk about the implications of that, why might, why that might be the case and so on. Well, anyway, I, I'm assume thoughts. it was targeted because of that, right? Yes, it, I mean, 100%. Right, yeah. That's... He didn't target criminology, which tends to be right-leaning. And criminology well, is sociology. It's just sociology of crime. Right, right. Yeah, like... Give me an example of something that would have been seen as controversial. That's been a kind of a sensitive spot. Sure. So sociologists uh, draw a distinction between sex and gender, right? So we would say sex is the biological parts, right? Complicated. So at a minimum, there are three ways to see this, right? So there are biological men, biological women, and intersex individuals. Right. And that's not a shocker. Like we can demonstrate that. Like you can literally look up pictures of intersex individuals. Um, So at a minimum, there are kind of like three. Boys have penises, girls have vaginas. (laughs) And some people have both. And some people have both. (laughs) That's the correct. That's just a factually correct statement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that from, yeah, twins? Isn't that from twins? No, I think it's kindergarten cop. No, kindergarten cop. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, so we draw a distinction. We say, like, there's the biology, but then there's gender. And gender is kind of something that you do, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The example that I like to use in my classes is I will usually look around the room and I'll say, you know, there are a lot of people in here with long hair. Um, What are your genders, right? And then I say, and what about the short-haired people, right? What are your genders? And they're all like, well, you know, the long hair women, short hair men. And I'm like, can men not grow hair long? You know, and of course, I point to my son who has really long hair. Women, do you have to have long hair, right? And all I'm trying to get them to do is say, why are you doing this, right? right. What does this have to do with it? And of course, it's just a way that we demonstrate who we who we are, right? Like gender-wise, long hair usually means woman, short hair usually means man. It doesn't exclusively mean that. There's nothing biological about that. So there are plenty of other examples of like, it just doesn't work, right? Uh, a classic example is Jesus, right? If you use the kind of anglicized versions of Jesus, he has long hair and a beard, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly you can have long hair and still be a man. That's perfectly fine. But what we're doing by the clothes that we wear, the mannerisms that we have, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we you know dress, whether we wear makeup or not, we're doing gender, okay? Well, as soon as you make that distinction, what you're saying is that gender and sex don't have to align. And as soon as I say that, now I'm accused of being a woke leftist liberal, Mm. right? Did I say anything that's not factually accurate? No. Gender is something that we do. Sex is something that we are, right? Right. That's fine, okay? But I didn't say anything that was inaccurate, but that makes me You shouldn't have said they don't have to align. You should say... They often don't align, right? Right. Because you just state it as a fact, right? Right. They, they just don't, yeah. they don't always align. Enforce okay? your ideology but, on me. Right. Because we say that, right, that makes it seem like we're on the left. Right. All we're doing is literally describing reality. 
Okay. Now, don't get me wrong, and this is where it does get complicated. We do have many members of our discipline who then will turn around and say, uh, you know, anybody who disagrees with this is like a horrible person. This gets to what we were talking about earlier, like this implicit morality to the argument, right? So if you're like, mm. if you reject trans people, you're a terrible human being. And I'm like, mm. yeah, I, I, it's, things are complicated, but I'm just trying to teach you about reality, right? At the end of the day, my job is to teach you reality. I'm not engaged in politics. I could care less about politics in my classes. I'm just saying, like, we can demonstrate these things, right? Empirical evidence here, end of story. Right. I'm not teaching them the well, politics behind this, right? But uh, yeah. I have colleagues who do. And this is why I right. would say it is actually a bit complicated because my discipline um, has split over the last 30 years, okay? It's split between what we call, I, I increasingly identify myself as an empirical sociologist. I'm a sociologist. I shouldn't have to say empirical sociologist. Empirical just means I like data, right? I, right. I want evidence to back up what I'm saying. I'm split by the critical sociologists. Critical sociologists are basically social activists. They're the ones right. who come in and say, okay, I may have some data, but really I have this data to critique you because you're a bad person. And they're the social justice warriors and they're using sociology as a guise to do this. Mm. I, I get it. Which like, is I why it's ones. gotten a bad rep and which yes. is why, hence this action that's been taken. Yes, by the 100%. So at, at some level, we are at fault for doing this by taking an empirical discipline and turning it into a social justice discipline. And we're kind of split. I'd say my field is like 50-50 critical sociologist versus empirical sociologist these days. Right. Um, I have a colleague who now doesn't even identify as a sociologist. He calls himself a demographer, even though, because demographer just studies people, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. But he doesn't like being called a sociologist because he doesn't want people to be like, oh, you're a social justice warrior. And he's like, no, oh. I'm an empirical sociologist, okay. right? So I, I thought you were going to go with, but I yeah. see, I see. Yeah, he's just like, don't Because it's gotten such a stigma. Yep. Interesting. And, and we're kind of doing that to ourselves. So I do I agree even, with what they did? No, but I see. I didn't even, I mean, the, the example you great, you brought up was was, was perfect, right, to 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 demonstrate yeah how this could get touchy and i didn't even know there was so much surrounding this that there was a big you know story or there was some controversy around it um that's really interesting what what do you think i mean so i mean what do you think about the are are you upset about the legislation being passed or um yes right and I mean, technically, it's not even legislation at this point. It's a decision by the Florida it was the Board um, of Governors, Department of right? Education, right? So it's the Board of Commissioners of the Department of Education. They just made a decision. Could they reverse it in a year? 100%. Um, mm. Are they going to? No, not until the political winds change and we get somebody mm -hmm. else in there. Um, could be years. Yeah, it could be years. could be decades, right? No yeah. idea. There will be lots of knock-on consequences. I'm, I'm upset in the sense of like, you know, the people who put this together... And my buddy, Rick Phillips, this is a shout out to Rick Phillips. I'm just going to name him, right? He was the one who's like, if you try and fight Manny Diaz and you're like, you're destroying jobs, you're you know, going to gut sociology programs, he's just going to laugh. He's like, that's the whole point, right? Like he doesn't right. even care. And so, yeah, I'm upset. Like, I, I don't think it's the right decision. I think it's all sorts of problematic uh, in so many ways. But like I said, I'm even complicating this, right? I'm complicating this because in my own discipline, I see that we kind of set ourselves up for this. We totally did. 
it, so theoretically it's you're going to see a shift from yeah and i agree with you right because if when something's not in the gen n curriculum then it's you're gonna a lot less people are gonna go oh, yeah. to it but um uh what was it uh uh but yeah you're gonna so oh, sorry funny story when i <laughs> when i was when i was getting my associate's degree I was went through the book that just like shows you all the degrees. And I was like, I'm going to do this one. It was like business management. And I cut this, I cut the paper out and I stuck it on the wall. And I'm like, and I just started taking all the classes right. that I needed to take to get the degree. And I got done after like two years. And this is when I was in, I was in still going to high school and I was kind of like mm-hmm. doing them both yeah. at the same time. And I got all my stuff and I went to apply to graduate and they were like, Oh, you're fine, but you're missing one class. You're missing. It was physiology. And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, like, yeah, you didn't take it. I'm like, hang on. So I went and got my paper and I brought it back. I'm like, no, I've done everything on this thing. And they were like, oh, they're like, it's, you took psych 101, not physiology 101. And, and I, but I looked at the paper and they had spelt it wrong. Oh, geez. So I took the class that they had, it was a typo in their paper. And so I like appealed and they were like, okay, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, you would win because if it's in the catalog, that is effectively law. Yes. So that so was took, the catalog. I did Psych 101 thinking it was part of my gen ed, right? And, and it, I, I really like the class too. Yeah. But um, but to, to sorry, get back on track. The, uh, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're going to see this depletion and you're going to see an influx of, of people taking this history class, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, but that's a totally different department, right? And so. Oh yeah, completely different department. And, so and see... sociology, it, the way in academia it works, it's not like you can suddenly just shift all the sociologists over to the history right. department. Yeah, that's you their, can that's only their teach. Yeah, you can only teach career. in what you have a terminal degree in. Yeah, with some really minor exceptions. So I can't have like a biologist who's like, I'm really interested in sociology. Can I join your department and teach a sociology class? And it's like, no, our accrediting body insists that the people teaching the courses have to have a terminal degree in those courses, right? In that yeah. discipline. And it's the way it works. The, the impact you see, what you're saying is the impact will be that like possibly up to half of your department will go Not away. mine. Luckily at my university, we haven't changed this, right? Because we're private. But at Got my it. buddy's uh, university, at University of North Florida, I'm not going to get the numbers exactly right. But I think he was saying that they have like six or seven full-time faculty right now. Yeah. And he said with with the knock-on effects of this decision, so just not teaching all of these large survey courses of you know introduction to sociology anymore, they don't um, they're going to lose probably two-thirds of the students that they teach, mm. and that's just revenue, right? It's just right. sheer revenue that they're going to lose, and he said they'll probably lose three of their faculty. Mm. Wow. So they're going to lose half, right? Um, I would not be surprised if that's the case, that they're going to lose faculty all over the state at all the big state universities, and you know, if I if I were a graduate student looking at universities to attend, I would take every university in the state of Florida for graduate school, right? I would take every university in, in Florida, public university, right off my list because I'd be like, there's no money anymore. There's literally going to be no money for sociology, which means mm. the graduate programs are all going to die, right? Mm. So I know um, at least four of the state universities, there might be more, Um University of Florida, Florida State, University of Central Florida, and USF all offer doctorates in sociology. I wouldn't be surprised if those are all gone in five years. Wow. Just gone. Yeah. So big, significant impact. Oh, huge impacts, right? The knock-on yeah. effects are, are going to be massive. Um, any of those people who are getting grants, right? They're, they're, 
you, you're not going to get grants anymore, right? Like all of that's going away. It's going away. Those positions are going to be gone. The faculty are going to leave. The, I mean, we already have an exodus of faculty out of this out of this state because of the changes that have happened. But you're going to lose tons of sociologists. Any sociologist who could leave the state at this point is going to leave. And uh, Manny Diaz is going to cheer. Or become a history yeah, well, I wish we could retool that fast, right? <laughs> uh, Unlike some people, where we get real degrees, it takes like six to ten years to get a PhD. There's a there's a, <laughs> a bunch of students right now that are like, ah, I don't know, maybe I won't take, I won't go into sociology. Hall. Nope, change it with a history here, right? And um, and Republicans are going to cheer about that. They don't want them taking our courses, right? I I don't even I don't know what I have to say about that. I think I agree with everything you said because. Yeah, it's going to have a big impact. It's probably exactly what they wanted. Uh-huh. And and to a certain extent, it 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 was justified, not justified, but like there was cause for their concern, right? And whether that's whether it's right or wrong, uh-huh. you know, th- th- there was some provocation, right? Yeah. That uh so yeah, that's interesting. I thought you would um you said it happened a year ago the funding but i thought the funding i thought i read in the article that the, that there was also some funding that like, that's carryover stuff because they changed oh, okay. yeah that was that was passed so they All defunded right. dei initiatives and then they also passed legislation saying that you can't teach like woke ideology okay. garbage stuff whatever the heck that means so that was like a year ago mm-hmm. and so that's manny diaz's justification for taking it out is saying sociology teaches woke ideology oh and so and it's so in violation of this the new law right right so that's right. why he's claiming that they're going to do it. But like, come on, that's absurd. <laughs> what I just described with sex and gender, they're going to call that woke ideology. And I call that reality. Mm. Right? Well, what you're saying, what you said, yeah, I agree. I agree with, <laughs> I mean, you can, because like you can, if you said that to anybody that, hey, you got boys that act like girls and girls that act like boys this is just the reality everyone's gonna be like yeah you're right that is the reality yep it's it's when you're like and that's the way it should be or right or this is or if you don't agree with me you're wrong that, that's what you're yeah. right you're you're getting into this activism stuff that you're talking about which i think is which i think is problematic um and i don't like well so where i would say that there's actually a really fine line that you have to walk on this right so if i say that right not Everybody who, you know, has a, biologically has a penis acts like a man, right? Um, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say, and you have to accept that, right? right? I would say what you do have to do is still treat them as a human. Right. Okay. Right. So this doesn't mean we get to kill them, right? That's what the Nazis did. That's called eugenics, right? So we don't get to do that. But is that next step what I just said? Like you still have to like treat them as a human. That is a moral statement, right? I don't oh, right. think it's a highly objectionable moral statement. I would just say like, that is the one moral statement that I would make about that. And I would just leave it at that. Like, mm, no, you no, no, come no. in at this from like, I don't think anyone's going to just, everything you said, I, it makes perfect sense to me. And I wouldn't even, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's so interesting. It's just like, but there's just so, what it is, it's such, like you said, it's such a fine line and there's uh-huh. such nuance. And just to what, to go back to the early article before of like these statements, right? I make a statement. I'm I'm going to get hired. I apply, I've 
give you my resume. I make my DEI statement. Right. And then I'm like, how is that going to be used in the decision-making processes, right? I don't, I have no idea, right? Especially if I'm not on board with DEI, right? I might be like, oh, I'll write up a few things, like treat everyone with respect, right? And then they're like, well, this guy's not a player. He's not playing along. <laughs> um, but the, oh, what was it? Oh, there was, I, I wish I'd pulled out my, uh, my camera and, and filmed this, but I was at the Salt Lake Library last summer and it was, <laughs> there was books. I, I can't remember if I told you this or not. This, there was, um, in the library, any most typical library, right? You have all the books on the shelves, but then they'll, they'll put books on the top that they're like showcasing. They put them yeah, up yeah. on their sides and they're like, right. like, this is books were kind of highlighting. It was insane how liberal these books were. They were and this was in, I was in the children's section, which was, that's what was interesting. So I was, cause I was, my kids were going to do like, they were doing some programming thing and I'm just waiting around outside. So I'm walking around up and down the aisles and I'm looking at these books and I wish I'd pull out my camera and filmed all these books because they were all extremely suggestive of a, of a narrative, right? Of like, it was all about uh, gays and, uh, and, and it was um, pro, um, african-american and but there were a couple that were very provocative man man i wish i'd, I'd film those because they were they had some statements in them that were sl- just kind of like a, very irritating to me that they were almost slant slandering uh whites and uh just it was it was all you know interpretate in, in, you could interpret it yeah and um and i was like but they were like it was about like of of maybe like 30 books there was about eight of them were probably were all like basically very very you know much uh pushing an agenda and i was like this is really interesting right and i'm you know and i'm like i'm in downtown salt lake it's very liberal there mm-hmm. and you know i'm at a public library and i'm like this is you know i'm in i'm in stomping grounds liberal stomping grounds and like this is so I'm like, this is what I should expect, but I didn't like that it was in the children's section and then it was these were like highlighted, but it was like all they did was put a book up, right? They just all they're doing is setting a book up. Yep. So subtle, right? Just a little thing. And you're like, I'm not I'm I'm just putting a book up that, that they might be interested in reading. And uh and you're like, it's that same thing, right? You can just with like just a couple of words, you can imply that an idea is right or wrong, right? You could teach, you could teach the curriculum just like you said, and then you could just say something at the end, like that, you know, what, whatever, right? And and then um, I had a sister in town that uh, sister-in-law in town, and she said um, something derogatory. She was like, "These," and she's from Florida, and she was like, uh, "She say." She said, oh, you know, it, it was these MAGAs or something like that, right? He just, like, said something, and then she was like, it's these MAGA supporters, blah, 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 right? And just just a, just a quick provocative statement against uh, Trump supporters, right? right. And, and you know, you just – just little nuance like that, you know? And I was like, oh, you're a DeSantis fan because she was bagging on Trump. And I, <laughs> I knew she wasn't, but I, I, was, I just said it just to get it right. You just had to put like, a jab back. You're like, yeah, and she's like, what? Yeah. I no, like, I get it. And I think you're right because it is a very fine nuance. And I try and be very careful in my classes that like I will defend humans' rights, right? So like everybody, everybody's human. We can't be mean about that. But I also will take 
really bizarre positions just to mess with my students. Oh, so I'll, I'll give an example, right? Um, what's the context in which this comes up? It occasionally comes up uh, in one of my classes and I, I like to mess with my students. The, the, the context is, I forget what it is, but um, the, the example is incest, right? So I'm like, generally, you know, like everybody would say incest is bad, but I was like, generally. okay, generally. But what if you have um, siblings? Really hot right? siblings. Siblings, right? <laughs> Consenting and Adult. using birth control. And, and over 18. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So consenting siblings using birth control. Okay. So and Jamie I say, and uh, <laughs> Cersei, yeah. Uh, yeah. Say, the Lannisters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so I, what I, why I do that, right. So I, I, I asked the students, I'm like, look, they're consenting the consanguinity thing. Right. So the, the risk of having a child with birth defects, if they're using birth control, that's gone. So we don't have to worry about like some genetic condition. If they're not the going to have kids. Yeah. They're not going to have a kid. Yeah, the, a kid. The so they're, they're consequences are yeah. contained and they're not going to have a kid and they're adults. Like what makes this wrong? It, well, and they're like, but it's, but it's wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Right. <laughs> right. And I, I do. And I, I always have to say this, right. I'm like, don't leave the class today saying Dr. Cragen's in favor of incest. I'm <laughs> right. not in favor of incest. I'm not advocating that. I'm trying to get you to think, right? What makes it wrong in that given context, right? Yeah. So if I put these stipulations in place, can you defend why it's wrong? And they really can't, right? No. And, and that's the point. Like, is like, I'm just trying to get you to think. That's my right. job, getting you to think. But I'm not coming out of there like, Bro, incest, incest, right? Like that, I'm not doing that, right? But you can totally see how just the way that I'm wording things, it comes across as though that what's that's what I'm trying to do, but I'm not. I'm just trying to get you to think. Okay. So I get it. It's really fine lines. They're really kind of tricky. Um, and I will just kind of side down again on this issue of like critical sociology versus empirical sociology. The critical sociologists really screwed us on this. Gonna, this is I... this is the consequence of that. I'm going to look up. Is, is Debbie actually your cousin or something like that? <laughs> out later. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, I don't think so, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, right. It's, it's right. And, and you could have even not said anything, but everyone came across that you were in favor of it. Right. Yep. That you, right. They walk away thinking that even though you didn't even say anything that advocated for it, you're just saying, you're just kind of, debating the morality of it and yes i guess defending it but not advocating for it yeah i mean um, I, I actually now have it on my syllabus that i play devil's advocate in my classes i take right. unpopular positions just to get you to think and it's going to make you uncomfortable but that's part of the learning process is being right. uncomfortable right well it, yeah and but I, what i was thinking of was like i'm pro-choice but yet that and that makes it sound like i'm in favor of 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 it of abortion right. but i'm uh, uh, incredibly against it right mm -hmm. and uh and think it's horrible but i do think everyone should choose but that you know that's interesting just me saying that i'm pro-choice makes it implies that i'm i'm down right right and, but i'm but i'm not so that's interesting um yeah yeah that's so it's yeah that's that's a tough i would hate to be a sociologist professor because well, everything I mean, would get 
oh yeah one half it's controversial and two like yes all the all the all the misinterpretations like oh 100 percent. and you know you just have to be willing to to go out on a limb and be very careful you know when you're you're talking about things but i'll give you an example that just i'm not careful about anything i say that's the problem (laughs) well i mean I can get away with a fair amount, right? In part because I'm like, look, let's think about it this way. And again, I'm not advocating for it. So it came up in my class the other day, a student basically, uh, she brought up the issue of like, well, you know, why couldn't I, it's a female student, right? She says, well, why couldn't I make money like selling my body? And, you know, so we, we had a very brief conversation about prostitution. And I said, you know, I, that does raise a different question. It, mm. Context matters, of course. So it wasn't like we just brought it up. She brought up prostitution. We were running with it as a, as a topic. And I said, you know, I always think it's fascinating that we make prostitution illegal, but professional sports is legal. And they're like, wait, what do you mean? And I said, both of them are making money by destroying their bodies. And they're like, what? What? Like they, they had never made a connection. And I was like, literally what happens to professional football players, right? We now all know, they all get, not all of them, but most of them get CTE, right? Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. It kills them. They have a life expectancy that on average is 10 years younger than other people. Mm. They're literally using their bodies for other people's entertainment, getting paid for it, and it's legal. How is that not prostitution, right? And so I'm just asking the question of the students, not that I'm saying one is right and one is wrong. I'm just saying, aren't they the same thing? And the students are just like, their minds are going crazy. They're like, Dr. Craig, and how are you saying this? And I'm like, (laughs) is what I'm saying wrong, right? Did I say anything wrong or is it basically the equivalent, right? Professional football and prostitution are effectively the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> and they just, they can't handle it, right? They they hate these types of comparisons. And I'm like, my job is to get you to think about these things. So just think, right? And they don't like, <laughs> they don't like being asked to do that. I don't know. Interesting. All yeah. right. So, well, what, what do you think? Else? We're good? I think we covered it. Yeah. I think we hammered it. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we wrap it up there then? Yeah, I think that's great. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Uh, If you have comments, um, questions, if you want to challenge Tom on anything, I'm, of course, always right. So, you know, if you think (laughs) professional athletes are prostitutes, please leave a comment. Yes. Drop that in. Drop that in uh, the comments. That would be great. Uh, We would love to get that. And we will talk to you uh, soon. All right. Take care. Uh, Tom, look, we don't always agree when it comes to politics. Um, but if there's one thing that we do agree on, it's that there's only one way to clean up after going to the bathroom, and that's with a Lux bidet. Listen, I've been using bidets forever, all right? And Lux is the best, all right? So, I mean, I've got like the little squatty potty thing and the bidet. It's like a whole experience. It's it's Actually, it's probably one of the highlights of the entire day. But like it gets me clean and it gets me ready to uh, talk politics in a civilized manner. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, Every time that I use a toilet, it doesn't have a potato when I go to a friend's house, you know, I just don't use their toilet, first of all. But uh, that's about as uncivilized as it gets. So uh, civil conversations demand civil hygiene practices. That's why everyone should get a bidet. And just to be clear, right, we, we want to make make it clear. Listeners can get their own Lux bidet with 10% off by ordering at LuxBidet.com and using our promo code, FCBG10, Finding Common Battlegrounds 10. 
Uh, and the last thing that we want to say, uh, Lux is supporting this podcast, uh, but they don't side one. They don't support one side or the other. They support civil conversations and clean butts. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Finding Common Battlegrounds. The music is by Ben Sound. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not those of their employers. For more information or more episodes, you can find us at findingcommonbattlegrounds.com.